Uh, I just believe in the process, and we're, we're going to win going through the process. Now, Bill's Mafia. It's time for the main event. So sit back and enjoy the show. With the 23rd pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Kair Elam, defensive back, Florida. Hey, look, check this out. It's only one football team in New York State, and that's the Buffalo Bills. With that being said, Bills Mafia has chosen James Cook from Georgia. With the 89th pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the Super Bowl 57 champion Buffalo Bills select my man, Terrell Bernard, linebacker Baylor. Bills Mafia, that was the selection of Kyra Lamb, James Cook, Terrell Bernard. I'm Matt Robin, joined hey. by David De Cristofaro of the Bills Wire. Chris David, thank you very, very much for joining us on the Red, White and Buffalo Blues. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to connect with you guys and to join you. So before before we talk, obviously we've got quite a bit to talk to. So we're going to be covering um, day one and two, rounds one, two, and three. Just give us a little bit of brief this brief um, introduction about obviously yourself and what you actually do. Sure. Uh, I was born and raised in upstate New York, not far from Buffalo. Uh, my family's from the Rochester area. We kind of live in in that city and then peppered kind of in the Buffalo direction. Uh, I grew up in Syracuse and. I've been a Bills fan my whole life and had the uh, distinct and bittersweet privilege to live through and experience the <laughs> Buffalo, as it's known from ESPN, uh, 30 for 30 now, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I call them the Jim Kelly years. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, who, who I just, I love him. He's still my favorite quarterback, I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's... It's been great to be a Bills fan. You know, I um, I love the heart of that community and just the way that they support players and, you know, whether it's their own or from other teams, mm. the way that they show up, you know, and support is really, uh, really unique, really different and special. So uh, it's been great to grow up as a Bills fan. And then also, you know, as, as an adult and as a professional, uh, to be able to circle back as a journalist and be able to contribute and write a bit about the team, you know, and uh, be able to take kind of a more of a look at things and put them under the microscope to say, hey, you know, how is this team good? Where can they be better? You know, what are yeah. their strengths? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And I think we're very fortunate to be in a position where we have a general manager now and a front office and a team and ownership that's willing to, uh, you know, we have ownership from the top down that's willing to invest in a winning team, you know, in a new stadium, uh, new stadium, things like that to help that process along. You know, we know what they did with the training facility has created a lot of buzz with players. And, uh, and then also a general manager who is really good at identifying talent you know, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, finding guys who 
just need some playing time and some development and were a little buried on their depth chart on other mm-hmm. teams like he did this offseason, bringing them in to help the Garter roster better. Um, yeah. Also in the draft, which, you know, as we have seen, is more hit than miss Yeah, as far as their picks. Uh, I think it's really neat that he has the ability, him and his team, to identify starting talent, you know, in rounds three and six and, you know, wherever that might be. Um, and and that's a huge advantage to have going into a year like this one where last offseason, you know, you look at how things went with those later round picks. Uh, several of them ended up on other teams by the, by the waiver wire because we didn't have roster room for them. You know, they were, were depth pieces. They were development pieces, I guess. And uh, it just didn't didn't have, you know, the room in the starting uh, kind of rotation for them. And so mm-hmm. that's me very interested to see what they're going to do today because we traded down a couple times. You know, we had to give up that fourth round pick to leapfrog in the first round. Yeah. Uh, we traded down twice yesterday and acquired – a couple more uh, six-round picks. We now have, I think, four of them um, to package with some of our other later-round picks and, and perhaps move back up into the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll be interested to see if they do that. I'll be interested to see if they try to bundle the remaining picks to move up again, you know, whether that's into the round or from their fifth-round pick. Um just very, very interested to see who else they add in this draft. But, yeah, I, I contribute for Bill's Wire. It's a, a privilege. It's something that I really enjoy doing. Um, it really uh, gives me healthy examination of the team, you know. Yeah. And, and as somebody that I think um, – as somebody that really uh, wants to see them succeed – you know, it's important to be able to be objective and look at that and, and say, hey, you know what? They're doing great in this area. This is an mm-hmm. area they can do better um, in a healthy and constructive and positive way. Um, you know, so uh, it's it's a good opportunity to do that. It's something I really enjoy. Yeah. And you're based, you're actually at the moment, you are actually in Vegas, actually covering it live, oh, live-ish um, right. for those why, aren't you? Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I, I actually work in major productions. Mm. And so I was just here doing the Grammys a few <laughs> weeks ago. And uh, then I went out and did two weeks working on Coachella. And uh, then I came, came back. I had to go speak at a music and tech conference down in New Orleans. So I, <laughs> I, went and I rinsed all the desert dust off of me. <laughs> I went and did that and enjoyed a really, really nice conference with some really great people that I've known for a while and uh, the city of New Orleans, which was beautiful, and um, and then came back here and and suited up and jumped in <laughs> working on uh, working on fan experience with the draft and then also you know pulling I think double or triple duty because then I'm popping in to watch the picks and you know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and then also work on my Bills Wire stuff. So it's yeah. fun. it's really neat. Uh, it's a great environment. It's my second NFL draft. I, I actually went to the one when it was in Philadelphia when we took like Zay Jones, Nathan Peterman, that mm-hmm. draft class. And so um, it's my second NFL draft. And then I also I worked on the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Oh, nice. 
in Los Angeles too. So that was a real treat, uh, just getting to be down on the field at SoFi Stadium, this big empty stadium every day for like a, you know, a week straight. Uh, Up close with the stars. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Dre is much bigger in person. He looks like <laughs> he looks like he could be a football player, seriously. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, let, let's go into it. I mean, Robin, of the first round, um, yeah. Obviously, what's your initial um, what's your initial thoughts on it? Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm the least knowledgeable of the three of us. There's normally three of us on the podcast. Mark uh, couldn't be here today. I think he's uh, he's drowning himself in champagne, isn't he? Because he said he picks the right uh, the right person. Matt yeah. will tell you that he's been pulling for Kyari Lamb as well. Um, I made I made a prediction which it. I'm gonna claim. I've I'm got gonna receipts make, for it. I'm gonna. You can come in when you're ready. Um, I made a prediction that I thought that they would move up to get the cornerback that they wanted, and they did. So I, I couldn't, I didn't get the name right, but I, I got the position right because I think that was fairly obvious. And I had a feeling that Bean was going to go up because this is a roster that's that's ninety five percent filled. They they didn't need a lot. So I just had two comments, and 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 please come in with what you with what you think. Um, the front office seems pretty confident or I seem pretty confident in the front office that they think that Trey White is going to be back for week one or something very close to it. So week three or week four. And they think that they can get a week one starter and they're pretty happy with, with Dane Jackson to, to be opposite. Um, the second, I'm going to say, there's a, there's a clip that's doing the rounds of uh, Elam on the phone and the, they're passing the phone between... Uh, Bean, who's passing it to Terry Pagula, who's passing it to Sean McDermott, and I don't think Elam's got a clue who he's who he's talking to at the moment. At that point in time, I think he's just that excited. And he mentions about, please send me the playbook because I want to read it on the plane when I fly to Buffalo. Um, they seem to be picking the guy with the attitude and the character more than anything else. And, and he made a pre-draft visit, and he seems to be that kind of guy that they're that they're looking for to be a Buffalo Bill. Yeah. 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 Interesting of, of the way that they view things. You know, the way that Brandon Bean and the front office culture, they you know, just like the team has their culture, they have their kind of office culture, you know. Um, the way they do things, he's he's not tight lipped, but they are quiet. Like they do things mm. in, in silence, you know. Um, there's a lot of things like the Von Miller acquisition, for example which to us might seem like it came out of nowhere, but for them was something mm. that, you know, was, was kind of brewing in, in free agency where Von Miller was interested from day one uh, mm. in Buffalo. So um, there's things like that. And, you know, there was even somebody in the press that commented and said that Buffalo is always the secret team. Like, you, you know, uh, so it's kind of a funny thing because what happens is that guys like McDermott, uh, who are very skillful at using a lot of words to say very little, to, mm. like, to, reveal, to reveal very little. But he says the right things. You know, he says the right things that a coach is supposed to say, uh, and he does it the right way. And, um, you know, with that comes a lot of empty space for media and empty, quiet kind of, kind of you know, radio silence or, you know, what have you. For the media and that's where their wheels get turning and you might remember last year they all thought we were going to take that running back from clemson this year yeah. they all oh, thought yeah. 
I'll take that running back Brees Hall. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of funny that like, you know, they they forget things that, you know, they've been told from directly because what what the front office and the coaching staff will do is they'll be direct. They'll tell them exactly what is and what isn't or what they ca- they can and can't tell them or what they will or won't tell them. Um, with the running back situation, uh, you know, whether be it directly from Bean's comments or, or McDermott's comments or just based on their actions, they very clearly communicated that they were looking for a receiving running back, you know, a running back who can who can catch the ball and run with it. And they telegraphed that with several, you know, attempted moves. After this season, the only running back who's on the books is uh, is Zach Moss. You know, and I, I think mm-hmm. what's going to happen is they're going to extend Singletary um, because that makes sense to do, you know, is to keep him on as their, their other running back. We don't know, uh, you know, the difference between the corner and a running back because the two other positions that there was like some buzz that they might go for in the first round was running back and receiver. And I think had more to do with the first round receiver class than it did with the bills necessarily. But I do think if like Dotson or somebody or Williams had still been on the board that late, that might've been a little bit different. It's possible, you know, just cause they're, they're so good at their position, but you know, um, as far as running back goes, they were clear about what it was they were looking for. And, you know, they got it in the second round, but it didn't seem like anything that they were going to really go after in the first round. Like, I didn't get that impression at all. Um, and, and you know, Brandon Bean even addressed it in his presser after they made the first round selection that he didn't know where those Brees Hall rumors came from because they didn't come from, you know, one Bill's drive. So, Brees Hall's you know, agent, possibly. Do you think, that, <laughs> do you think he, you know, he says, well, where would you kind of like to go to? And he says, well, Buffalo seems pretty good. They seem like a good team. It is um, nice, uh, nice the guys are saying that. Williams said that about playing with Josh Allen, too, that wide receiver. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good problem to have, you know, yeah. when, when players want to be there and want to play with your team. So, um, in the case of corner, I wrote about this in my uh, kind of draft preview piece, just going over, you know, what positions they might still be looking to fill. And the glaring one, the obvious one, was that corner. The thing that that it's kind of like a, you know, sort of, I think, a little bit of a misdirected conversation is that when the topic comes up, the first name that comes up is Trey White. Oh, when's Trey White going to be back? Oh, we have to, we have to get somebody because Trey White's going to be out. And they're not wrong, but it's just the reason I say it's a little misdirected is that we have somebody uh, to, to fill in effectively until Trey White is back on the field at his position. That's Dane Jackson. Yeah. You know, Dane Jackson slotted in when Trey went down last season during the Thanksgiving game in New Orleans and played serviceably enough where they were the best defense in football by the end of the season. So, so you know what happens is that people just keep saying, "Oh, tr- you know, we don't know when Trey White's going to be back." Yeah, but we have Dane Jackson, and Trey yeah. White. Trey White's working with him and coaching him up. And I hope Trey's back, you know, sooner than later. But what they really were doing, and and you know, this is something that they were looking for in the draft last year, 
you know, is the long-term solution across from Trey White. Mm. Who's going to be our Trey White on the other side? You know, who's going to be that guy that they get that they can give one of those longer contracts to hopefully yeah. uh, to play across from Trey? So that's who you were looking to replace was the Levi Wallace role. And Wallace had a good run as a bill. I think mm-hmm. he was with a good coaching staff that got, you know, serviceable productivity out of him at a level that they needed to for him to be that placeholder that they needed to at that position while they looked for that younger player that they were going to bring in and develop uh, as a long-term solution there at that position. And they reached the point where it was just time to do that. You know, yeah. they re- you know, they tried to do, I think, do it last year. They brought Wallace back on a one-year deal when he couldn't find a deal out on the market that he liked. And I think it worked out great for both teams, both parties, because he was able to get a good year in with Buffalo that set him up for a good contract with Pittsburgh. He goes to a good situation with another good coaching staff and culture that he'll hopefully find success in, you know, and, and wish him well in that and hope it does work out well for him there. Um, yeah. And then that's where got, that comes in. Yeah, yeah. It's and, a t- the timing of of Trey White's like contract extension kicking in, along with Elam joining, is perfect as well. Because if you can get four or five years out of Elam, that sort of it's the length of the expensive Trey contract. Then he almost becomes the new Trey if that works out. And then we get another guy coming in. It's just, it's like a sort of like a carousel almost, isn't it? It could work perfectly. And I'm sure, I'm sure, hopefully, you know, you, you, you always hope for the best, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure that hey, they, they've indicated that his uh, recovery from his injury is coming along um, well and that there's no indication that it'll be a problem in the future. But, you know, with corners, there is that drop-off once they get older. Yeah. Um, we, we saw it with Darrell Rivas, you know, I think is, is one of the more visible examples in the league. But it, it does happen. Um, Trey is a little different because, you know, he played he played goalie in hockey in college. He He's a little bit more of a diverse skill corner, I think. Yeah. But um, And I, I do think we'll get that second kind of, um, you know, uh, second contract st- stretch or extension or whatever they end up doing with him beyond this one um, so that he can hopefully finish his career as a bill. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's good to think about the future, though. It's, and I like what exactly what you said. You hit, you hit it on the nose when you talked about the contract, mm. the payroll, right, the, the salary cap space that they have. You're bringing in a guy, first-round talent. You get that fifth-round option on him, and you can afford him, you know, and afford your star cornerback that you just paid last, you know, last offseason. Um for the next five years without issue. And he have that potential to develop into, um, you know, a talent that could, could form one of the best corner duos in football. So there is that ceiling there, you know, there is that potential there for him to become that player. What I like about him and, you know, all all the buzz pre-draft was more around uh, um, their meetings with, uh, Clemson quarterback Andrew Booth, mm-hmm. and I think it says something that not not I don't think it's a knock on Booth as much as it is you know an endorsement of Elam, but um, it says something that if you go back and you go over Brandon Bean's quotes um, following the pick, you know 
he made it very clear that by that time in the draft, that Elam was the last player available mm. uh, that they had a first round grade on that they had yeah. a first round draft grade on. And that's why they moved up again, which was a good move. Uh, it was, listen, I tip my hat. That was a very savvy little chess move by Kansas city and new England there. Uh, they kind of killed two birds with one stone, because if you look at the teams that followed when Kansas city leapfrogged all those teams to go up and get McDuffie at corner, mm. uh, you know, it's a chess move for both teams because Buffalo is their competition. Yeah. Uh, so, sure. are the, so are the Ravens, and the Ravens were in the market for a corner. So uh, Dallas, you know, Dallas could use one. Um, you could make a case, you know, that there's a you know, for a couple of those other teams that they could use one. So it was a, a smart move by Kansas City. It was a little bit of a chess move by Kansas City and New England to make that pick swap to allow them to go up and get that. Um, I can't say whether or not the Bills had any interest in McDuffie, but what I can tell you is that that set a little chain of events in motion that then kind of, uh, I don't want to say forced the Bills to make that move, but we'll just say prompted them to, yeah. you know, um, where they felt like, hey, our guy is up there. Let's jump up a couple, you know, spots and get him right? Mm-hmm. So, um I do love this pick. You know, it is, I believe, that long-term solution player that we've been looking yeah. for at that Wallace position, uh, that, that position that Wallace had been playing across from Trey. And uh, I love the length, the size, the speed. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, our, uh, this is our cheetah guy, I think. Um, I think this is the guy that they go out and get to cover guys um, – you know, that are faster, you know, we, we know how that's gone against the Chiefs. Yeah. The past, right. Yeah. Uh, and now we have a couple of teams that are going to have guys like that as, because you, you, that we're going to be facing this season, you know, the more that you have teams bringing in these receiving running backs, the more they're looking for guys with, who can, who can catch and run with speed. Mm-hmm. Right. So when they're looking at, hey, who, who, how do we prepare? They're thinking of Tyree Kill. They're thinking yeah, yeah. That, they, they publicly made statements about that after the Chiefs game. Because if you have Trey White on the field, you have someone to cover Kelsey. Hmm. Maybe, maybe Kelsey doesn't make that catch on that, on that last drive by Kansas City in overtime, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, look at what Trey did covering Gronk. I mean, Gronk, Gronk never, I've never seen Gronkowski get frustrated uh, like that in a football game than mm-hmm. he got shut down by Trey White. So, yeah. you know, if he can be that effective against a big guy like Gronk, I mean, you know, having him on the field to cover someone like Kelsey, that drive might have gone a little bit differently. Um, but when you get that ball to Tyree Kill, it's a different story. Uh, there wasn't anybody that was going to be able to really keep up with him, you know, or or keep pace with him. Yeah. And, uh, and and they did mention that. It's like, hey, we might look at speed. You know, we might look at, you know, if guys have the skill and the speed, you know, looking at taking somebody in the draft for that. Um, I don't think trading Tyree Kill to Miami really changes that game plan at all. 
Um, I think that that was a trade that made sense for Hill and Kansas City, just in the sense that Hill made it clear that he wanted the money more than he wanted to to win in Kansas City. Um, like I don't, I, you're not going to a bad situation in Miami necessarily, uh, but you are going to one where they're still trying to find like their footing. Yeah, like they're just still trying to get their. Uh, there's some stability beneath them and actually develop their quarterback and things like that. And, uh, two is a, a likable guy, you know, hopefully he, he, uh, he finds his way here in the NFL and, and, you know, makes whatever step they need him to. Cause, uh, you always want to see people succeed, but, um, you know, Miami's going to Miami, man. I mean, they're, yeah. not the, they're not the Browns, but they're, uh, they haven't had the best record against Buffalo. We've been we've been uh, squishing the fish a bit yeah. these, these last few seasons. So, um, you know, anyways, I, the Chiefs reloaded. You know, they're a stacked team. They they went out and added a bunch of talent again. I don't know that they'll be the same offense without Tyreek Hill because he's Tyreek Hill. Like he's a guy that you can dump that ball to and you can just break loose and turn it into some sort of outlandish play, if not a scoring play. So, um, you know, remains to be seen, right? Mm. Whether or yeah. not they're the same team. What, what I do know is that regardless of what team he plays for, we now got a guy that has the length and the size and the speed to be a problem. Yeah. And he's a guy that can step in and start which right away, which is great. Uh, it's not to say that there isn't going to be some development, but uh, it's just a great great situation because you know we needed to fill that position and we got a guy who can step in and do that from day one and uh, i'm excited about it man yeah and my, my last bit before we move on to the second round pick obviously the good thing about elam is that he is well versed in zone can play man as well he's done a bit both in in florida um, and also, he's got the he's got the length, he's got the um, the strength, the speed to actually match up with any any wide receiver. But I want to come. Um, this is my last say on it because I know that people in our group chat actually um, do rub it into me that he doesn't tackle very well, and <laughs> I admit that he's not the best tackler on there. But he can be coached for that. And we've got an example: Josh Allen when he came in first time, there were so many flaws with him and look how he's turned that around in a couple of seasons and gone from good to good. And that's what I think this coaching staff can do with, um, with Kair to actually get him um, to make sure he tackles properly and becomes that lockdown corner with Trey White for, and have obviously Hyde and Hyde and Poyer covering him as safety net for, um, for a good three, four years. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it was an area of need. And Bean, Bean does a, an exceptional job filling those holes through free agency. He even went out and added some guys at, you know, for example, the running back position would be one example where he added some talent, you know, even after they missed out on that wonky deal uh, with a guy who went back to Washington. So it's kind of, you know, <laughs> um, he of whom I shall not speak. So, <laughs> hey, look! If you want to go catch passes from Carson Wentz and you know try to try to you know fight for air in in the NFC East instead of coming and pa- catching passes from Josh Allen, you know, uh, bless your heart. 
That's uh, but anyways, their only position they didn't do that at was corner. Very, was, very sore point for the podcast, David, because he was one of my picks as well. JD McKissick. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak his name. <laughs> I, I made a tip months ago that he could be he could fit in lovely, and for about 24 hours I was cartwheeling, doing funny dances, and yeah. Uh, right. the guys were sick of me. So, yeah, <laughs> Def- definitely were. But at least now we can say that coming into round two, we actually have that JD McKissick type player in, um, yeah. in James Cook of um, of Georgia. And this is, I think, this was contentious on where we were going to draft um, a running back. And obviously, there have been talks of does this spell the end for for Singletary or not? But I think these two could be a great one-two punch going through it. And they mainly looking at Cook for his ability to be that X factor at running back. He's one of the, probably the best pass catches in the um, in this draft at the moment. And I think, what was it, during his career, he's actually 74 career targets, one drop, only two fumbles in his career, nearly 11 yards per reception on there. So you've got that in there. But he's also... Very, um, what do you call it? A very, uh, what's the best word to think it? Underrated as a, as actually a complete runner. Maybe not a cool full three down, but can actually read, um, read defenses, read the creases, and his vision is really good. And that he can be that X factor and that, um, that one-two punch with Singletary. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, you know, obviously the. You know, just to just to cut it out, he's Dalvin's brother. Mm. I know that that's going to get mentioned a bit, and um, it is worth at least mentioning because look at the success that Dalvin Cook has had in Minnesota. Um, yeah. You know, if we get a player who's like that, that's that's really something. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we did trade and bring in Case Keenum as mm-hmm. our backup quarterback, who was the. Uh, quarterback that made that memorable run with Minnesota uh, with Stefan Diggs and Dalvin Cook. And uh, you got to wonder with Diggs and Keenum in the fold if maybe they were able to get a little bit of, of insider insight, you know, just as far as the uh, the fit, cult, you know, with, with the, the player, the person, right, off the field um, culture, things like that. Yeah, my, perhaps came into play. We know Stefan's been a very active recruiter. For uh, for the Buffalo Bills, so maybe they maybe he was able to help in the uh, the pre-draft stuff. But um, yeah, I love it, man. I mean, he's one of the guys they did a pre-draft visit with as well, like Elam. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love that they felt confident taking him with a second rounder. You know, the, uh, both Singletary and Moss were third round picks. Uh, Singletary, look, I mean, you know, Singletary's second season, him and Moss shared carries. Uh, during a lot of garbage time at the end of, of uh, games where we'd blown teams out, you know, and, and we were just running down the clock. They didn't yeah. see as much, you know, they didn't see as much time carrying the ball because they were they were just ground game guys and we were developing our passing game. You know, we'd, we'd mm. replenish the receiving core and we were letting Josh kind of stretch his, his limbs and start to get uh, comfortable with the passing game that season. And and he did so, you know, uh, to to great success. So um, the idea that that's somehow a reflection of either Singletary or Moss, that the following season where they struggled with offensive line 
play and 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 blocking and all types of things like that. Look, it, it doesn't mean anything for those players in that sense necessarily. Um, the, the coaching staff is going to have a better idea from their practices, their off-season programs. You saw Singletary put the work in last off-season. Yeah. To, to make that leap and take that next step. I mean, he had a stellar season as a rookie. Um, and then he, they, he, you know, they had the passing season, right, where they just shared yeah. some carries. And then they had this season where, at first, you know, the running game struggled. And then, you know, when they switched Singletary to the primary back, uh, they really found their stride in the run game going into that last leg of the season. So, as I mentioned before, they have running backs uh, who, on contracts that expire after this season where Moss would have been the only guy under contract. Mm-hmm. I think I think they they seem to have found their guy in Cook as far as the uh, receiving running back type that they've been after. Uh, my the only question I think is is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to plug and play right away? I do think he's a, a guy that they'll work into the rotation just like they have with other guys they drafted in the early rounds. Um, so no matter what, I could see that happening. I, I really think that that's strong possibility if not likelihood is that we see him see playing time you know in that rotation you know getting getting plays called for him um you know to start to kind of get him in there uh, this season um how much they'll do that you know remains to be seen but it is great to have him in there um as far as moss i know that's been like the big kind of question mark there's been questions about what they'll do with singletary but i think singletary has made more than his case between his rookie season and then how he played once they gave him that role last mm-hmm. season to be a part of this team, you know, moving forward. So my hope is that they'll extend him, you know, work out like a, uh, a fair deal to keep him in Buffalo uh, to be that, that second back and to be that other back with Moss, you know, who we brought in as a bruiser, as a big body guy that can go in and just, you know, um, break tackles and get yards. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think with him, it's a development question, right? We saw Singletary put the work in and kind of take that, that next step that he needed to in his development with Moss. The issue really was the fumbles was, mm-hmm. were a problem. And so I don't know what'll, ha- what'll become of him if they'll, they'll keep him around. Um, you know, if they got an offer from say like the giants, you know, who, He's familiar with their coach, you know, because he played in his offense his yeah. whole mm-hmm. career until this point. I think if they made him a fair offer or something to bring him over there, they they might they'd look at it or at least listen, right? But um, you know, Ma, what happens with Moss remains to be seen. I I, I would imagine that Singletary will fa- you know factor into their long term plans, but having Cook really. Uh, really is big, you know, adding him and getting that guy that they've been after where, you know, they were in the talks, it was reported, uh, the trade, you know, inquiring about trade talks for Christian McCaffrey. They were looking at uh, McKissick and, and trying to sign McKissick to a very nice two-year deal, which then, you know, uh, gave him and Washington apparently a basis for him to resign with them. So 
you know, uh, congratulations to McKissick. I'm glad that we were able to help you get your super contract with, uh, with the commanders. Is that what they're called now? That's correct. That's what we told him. Wouldn't it be fun if Washington just changed their name every year now? <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see it. I could see it. The merch, the merch guys would love it, wouldn't they? Everyone going out having to buy new jerseys and hats and T-shirts and everything. Can I make one? Can I make one point about about running back? Because you both said about extending Singletary and making it a two running back, you know, part part of the offense. Do you think there's a chance that they've got Cook? They've got Duke Johnson to maybe teach Cook the fine the finer points that he might need, but that Cook might actually be a replacement for Singletary. Because these days people don't really like paying running backs. They're they're not the premium position that they were in, let's say, the seventies and the eighties. It's a fairly interchangeable position now. You get a guy five years, move him on. Get another guy five years. It's not a career position. Do you think there's a chance he replaces Singletary? We move we move on from him. Paid a lot of money to a lot of players. Cap cap casualty. I would have. <laughs> have a hard time getting him that after one season um but you know it's is it possible sure yeah it's it's possible is it likely well they mm. still need other running backs and uh, you're gonna yeah. it's good you're gonna be hard pressed to do better than Devin Singletary it's not to say that there aren't going to be other ones out there but what I mean is that when you look at the market you know when you look and you see who's available out there in free agency you know the stud wide receiver. Uh, the stud wide receivers are all signing new deals. You know uh, McCaffrey signed that big deal. Um, there's going to be other guys who are going to do that, uh, who who might never really really see free agency. Like maybe they are free agents. But what I mean is that they just re-sign those big deals or, or big extensions with their teams. So I think that's kind of the question mark because they're you, you know remember that Buffalo is a depth team. You know they're. Yeah. Guys, to add depth to position, they you know even when they drafted Elam, being described it as adding depth to the position. He even said, "If we get to the second round and there's a corner available, and he's the best player on our board. You know, yeah. we'll take we'll take him, just like they did last year when they took the two defensive ends back to back, or you know um, things like that. It's, it's just how they do things, and they're a depth team. They like to add talent. They like to play guys in rotations." Um, I do think they still need, you know, it's good. It's, it's a good problem to have, right? When the yeah. rich, get, when the rich get richer at a position, does mm-hmm. cook become the primary st- uh, star or stud back? I think that's a possibility. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if his, mm-hmm. if his development, you know, if he can develop into, uh, you know, a similar player uh, to his brother or to other players like that in the league, even if he's not one of the top, top guys, but in just like the top five or 10. Yeah. You know, uh, of those types of kind of like hybrid, you know, uh, sort of running back receiver type players. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I could see that. But they still need somebody else at the position, if not a couple guys. And so I think if anything, that's what gives Moss a chance to stick around. Uh, Singletary, I think at this point, you know, um, unless they uh, decide otherwise, seems to kind of be uh, part of the team, part of that offense. I would imagine they'll work something out to keep them around, even if it's on a two-year deal like what they did with McKenzie. But yeah. um, but with Moss, I think that's the bigger question mark is 
do the coaches see somebody that they can work with and develop and continue to work with and develop where they could keep them around as a member of the practice squad or as a depth piece at that position, you know, uh, cause running back, obviously you're getting killed a lot. You're, you're hitting, getting hit a lot, things like that. Um, you know, if one of them gets injured, you want to make sure you have those guys that can be those next men up. And I think that you're right about Johnson. You know, that is the bill's MO, right? Is mm. that they draft guys and then they'll sign veterans, you know, uh, to play a season or two ahead of them, uh, to help teach them and, and groom them and kind of help, uh, develop that their development come along, um, so that they can then fill that role when those contracts end, those short one-year, two-year deals end uh, with those players. So we saw with Gabe Davis. We drafted Gabe Davis a few seasons ago, and, um, you know, we brought in a couple guys. We had John Brown play ahead of him for a while, and then we had, uh, you know, had um, – oh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, I'm so tired. It's uh, – <laughs> I'm trying to think. Anders. Oh. How can you forget Emmanuel Sanders' name? That's, that's how, <laughs> how, how long the days have been in the desert of Las Vegas. I uh, no, Emmanuel Sanders, who was great. I mean, you know, they said he was the he was the guy that they were after for years. They mm. said uh, that they were looking to bring him in to be that veteran guy, and I think part of that is because you you see that potential in Gabe Davis to be that type of player. You want to put him around those types of players, right? Uh, yeah. Where you know maybe they're back nine of their career, but they're still looking to play. And it's a situation that works out for both player and team because you bring in a guy that can pl- go in and play in your offense and, and be a part of your passing game, but then also help groom a player like Davis, who we saw take that next step, you know, uh, this season, especially uh, on, on the biggest stage and the biggest spotlight against Kansas City. So when you think of it in those terms, I mean, we've seen them do this at other positions too, you know, where they play veterans ahead of young guys uh, as they're developing with Cook, you know, um, you got Duke Johnson to kind of be that guy for him this season. And we'll see how that goes and see how his progression goes. Yeah. Uh, but I think with a big guy with your second round pick, you know, we played Singletary out of the third round right off the bat. We played Moss out of the third round right off the bat. I think we'll see Cook play right off the bat. I think it's good to have Duke around for a year to help uh, help him kind of acclimate, you know, to the league and the position. Um, I think it's, I mean, look, as far as athleticism, I love me a, a single Terry Cook, you know, backfield. Yeah. Oh, man. <coughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know we're going to be throwing the ball a lot, but that's going to be fun. So that's, I guess that's why I, I kind of see that working out for single Terry too. But, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think that's, that's Duke Johnson's role is they mm-hmm. knew that they were going to need a guy who could, you know, be that placeholder, be that stop gap, right. Until they bring in the long-term solution there, whether it was through the draft or whether they went out and, you know, got somebody, uh, through a trade or, um, even, uh, even just, you know, until next off season, like they did on that one year deal this past season with Wallace. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think we'll see Crick play right away, you know, whether it's as a rotation, you know, guy or whether or not, you know, he's just ready to play. Um, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to see. Yeah, no, I think I think it could be a case that that Singletary is pretty much in his make or break year for it. But I can definitely see 
I can definitely see him actually excelling a little bit more where where Cook can't at the moment, obviously being NFL ready and having that three, four, three seasons um, ahead of him. Um, it definitely someone is definitely something to watch, definitely. But it's good that we've got a explosive um, X factor now on this um, on this offense that can really uh, what's the word? Really take away the more running of Josh Allen, so he can actually focus yeah. more on his um, on his past game. So if we go into round three, I mean, did this shock you? Because to be honest, I think it shocked quite a lot of people with. Um, with Terrell, not just not just the introduction by uh, by Carl Brent. Brent. Yeah, I mean his, his um, trousers were pretty shocking, weren't they? So uh, I, I do but. have a confession to make. I own those same Zubaz pants. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I I personally love Kyle Brandt. I know I know some of our chat people aren't as keen on him as, as I. I think he's great. There's no one I'd rather have a hype video for than the Carl Brandt. I think he's terrific myself. So I'm. I'm Firmly in the positive, uh, positive camp but what, when it comes to Kyle. But what do we think of the um, of the pick then? Um, linebacker Terrell um, uh, Bernard out of um, out of Baylor. I mean, it, it's sort of left field to be honest. I mean, everyone was thinking, that. everyone was thinking like tight end, maybe um, maybe one of the running backs, or maybe even another, another uh, linebacker because of the what is it, Nicobe yeah, Dean yeah, still, still there, wasn't he? Because he went to the Chiefs. Yeah, there wasn't I. But what 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 do you make of um of that, David? Um, do you see do you see a role for him like a people say it's like a Milano clone on there? And I've got a little bit of a theory of what they could actually do with him, and also the fact that if Milano goes down, we had what, AJ Klein replace him last year, not the similar skill set. But with Bernard, you've got that similar type of skill set of a fast um, coverage guy who can go sideline to sideline to actually substitute for Milano if he ever does go out and does get injured. Usually misses three games a season, doesn't he, Milano? So that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, that's part of it is he's a Milano depth piece for sure. I mean, having having somebody that can, you know, plug in and, and you know, keep your off um, your defense moving and, and keep things kind of uh, spinning like a top. That's the ideal scenario, right? Is having an X man mm-hmm. up that can fill in that way. Um, there has been like this, like kind of low frequency buzz um, for not just this off season, but last year too, that they might be looking for to add like, you know, some depth at the linebacker position. So in that regard, I wasn't surprised. In that sense, I wasn't. I was shocked. I was surprised by the pick. Like, wait, what? You know. But like, then I thought about it. I was like, oh right. You know, there's been that low frequency buzz. Mm. You know, for the past season or a uh, couple seasons that they might be looking to add to that position group. Yeah. And um, and it seems like they did that. And you know, from there, I mean. I mean, I'm not not to say that there aren't questions, but I think that there does seem to be a good sense as far as um, who is and isn't a pick in that round in this draft. A lot of people. I mean, you saw Malik Willis fall the way to Tennessee. um, You know, which I've I've, we look. We played against Ryan Tannehill 
twice a season while he was in Miami. I, I don't think he's going to take them to the promised land, especially when you uh, lose your two best receivers. Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry is a great player. Um, I know, I mean, he's Derek Henry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. we, we see what he can do on a regular basis. And I, I just want to go on record as saying that uh, he'd look great in a Bills uniform. Uh, <laughs> and so if he's ever yeah, yeah. If he's ever looking to get out of Tennessee, you know, after they they get rid of their stud receivers and things like that, and switch from Tannehill to a uh, a rookie quarterback, you know, if he's ever looking for a uh, a new team, you know, hopefully he, he might picture himself in in Buffalo Blue. But yeah. Um, but anyways, that you know, um, getting back to you know to our our situation. There's guys, I was kind of thinking, you know, look, there's that tight end that we we brought in some tight ends. We visited with them. One of them was off the board, but one of them was still still available. I think that kid from, uh, uh, I believe he was from Penn State. And um, and then also there's some other stuff too. You know, there's been a little bit of chatter that we might take a punter, by the way, yeah. which I, I'm okay with. Yeah, you know, I, I probably need one. Yeah, I, 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 we got some good ones available. Just yep. saying, um, and I, I don't know that you, I don't know that you use a third, you know, second or third round pick to take one. But what I mean is that you know, once you're starting to get into the mid and later rounds, that's where maybe you make a move like that. I mean, look, we went and got Tyler Bass, and that worked out pretty well for us. So, um, you know, if you're if you're thinking along similar terms then you know there's some things like that that are kind of percolating and then also you know there's all these other guys that they met with at all these other positions and i i get that they're doing their due diligence but um you know there is there is like multiple other position groups that they met with people at um so i mean i was kind of curious what they were going to do because they were meeting with multiple players at, at those positions but they haven't picked at those positions you know, aside from Cook, obviously Neelam, uh, but I'm talking more about the remaining ones now, right? So, yeah. so in that way, I was a little surprised in the sense that I remembered that there had been that low frequency buzz about adding to that position. I was not. And I do think part of it is that if you ever watch Milano, that guy is like just insane. He's all over the field. Like yeah. he, he chases guys all around the field. He's awesome. So um, the thing is, is when you have guys like that, you want to keep them, their legs fresh mm. uh, in, in games, but also over the course of the season. You know, um, I think of the defensive end group, man. Look at, look at the guy. We've added like this little, you know, arsenal rotation of guys at that position. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's not that crazy to think that they wouldn't do the same thing at the linebacker position, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, had somebody who can be another impact player to that group. Um, and I do think, you know, the other thing too, is we have Juan Miller now who does a, uh, a pass rush. I think like a pass rushing Academy, you know, he does, he, he coaches up and kind of helps uh, young players along and players develop and take those next steps. He's a leader. He's somebody that's going to help train and equip and, and help some of these guys you know, take those next steps, excuse me, take those next steps and, um, you know, adding a guy to that group, you know, that with that skill set that can come in and be one of those guys, 
I mean, it's a strategic move. It's a calculated move to add that. So um, they seem to know what they're doing. They seem to you know, uh, feel that that was you know, the, the best player on the board, right? Yeah. That's, that's what they do. Uh, and Yeah. I'm looking at it, the fact that obviously there is a relationship between McDermott and the um, coach of Baylor, Dave Aranda, who obviously get a bit more insight into what Bernard could actually bring to the Bills. But what I, I saw it, a couple of people actually uh, mention it a little bit on there, and I went back and had a look. Obviously, everyone knows, most people know about the RS, RAS score, the relative athletic score on there, is the fact that for... Him, if you change his position at safety, he's actually got a higher score than linebacker. I, I have seen that maybe they could use him as that um, that nickel, that big nickel dime option that they want. Because we know Milano went from safety to linebacker. Obviously, right. we could have Milano going linebacker to safety or have the option to be that type of player. And the fact that you've got a guy who can, who has got a bit of speed in him, who actually um, does like to hit and has that leadership that really could get be that big big nickel to cover the likes of um of kelsey a lot more and pro football focus actually claimed he never surrendered a coverage touchdown so i see this it's good to see that that's how i think they probably could play him as well as spell him when they go into um when milana gets injured even though being said they look may look to put him at uh, uh behind edmonds as well Right, and they, they play the same two linebackers on, like, every play, right? Mm. With Edmund and uh, Milano. And so I think, you know, having a guy who has speed and is aggressive the way Milano is, um, you know, who can hopefully help contribute. He's a depth piece, and he's a depth addition and a development project. But um, that's what the Bills do is they bring players and they develop them. Um, you know, so... His numbers were good, and I, I think they get a guy that they can add to that group where, you know, I think, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think where we see the most of him uh, at first is special teams. And I'll tell you what, uh, we might not see him a lot on the field with, with those linebackers on defense this season. But I do believe we'll see him a lot on special teams, which mm. is good because if you go back to – uh, for example, you know, uh, the Chiefs game or some other games, like we're always, always could stand to get better on special teams, right? Yeah. You're, you're always looking to get better in each area and having a guy like that where that's where he's getting his playing time, um, that that's good for, good for the special teams unit. It's good for the Bills. So hopefully, uh, you know, he gets, gets, uh, what we could call meaningful or effective use out of that time and makes an impact in games that way and, and, and develops into the type of player that can then be a solid depth and rotation piece at the linebacker position where, you know, when you can help keep someone like Milano who's chasing guys across the field, up and down the field, stuff like that, you know, help keep him fresh and have another guy who can do that. He's also fast and also aggressive. Yeah. Um, you know, and they'll do that too. So, yeah, I, I think it's a nice ad by the Bills. Um, I, I, I definitely uh, am kind of with you as far as you know being a little surprised by it, but um, but it made sense from this in the 
in the way that I mentioned that, you know, there had been some buzz that they might be looking to add a linebacker um, over the last season or two. And so, um, you know, my Baker question now is, okay, well, being moved down two picks to take him. So what does that mean, right? Like, what are we going to do with this little glute of six-round picks that we have now? Uh, uh, I'm very interested to see what he does today. You know, um, there's still some areas, uh, you know, we mentioned punter. Um, Mm -hmm. Matt Hawk um, likely appears to not be that long-term guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that was really decent of him to rework that deal we signed him to. You know, that, that that was a really good good move for them both because he puts him on a prove-it deal after kind of a lackluster season, gives him a chance to come out and play better and play, uh, you know, kind of earn his next contract with his next mm-hmm. team, right? Like what Wallace did last season. And, yeah. uh, and it also gives the Bills a guy who can play and kind of be that placeholder as, as needed until they find that guy. It's just hard to ignore that there's a couple guys like that in this draft that, yeah. you know, you, you could go out and get that could be that guy. So that's what would lead me to uh, just kind of I, I can't really shake that feeling. It's like, man, I wonder if they're going to go get that punter. Right. So yeah. um, so that, that we could see that sometime in the next couple picks. Um, I got to imagine that you know without <laughs> we don't we don't know until we know right with with exactly. brandon Beals. um but you know if i had to guess i gotta imagine he's trying to get back in the fourth round yeah you know, after getting, do with pretty much uh with pretty much the first two or at least for the low end fourth round with our first two picks that we got in the um in the sixth and just before just before we you know obviously by the time this gets out we'll probably be um halfway through the um day three just so we can look back on this fondly is there any um any targets that you potentially want and obviously not knowing now we'll know when it comes out the targets that you would like the bills to go for because i do like asking this question about is there any draft crushes that still on there or or actual players that you would like to get or like the bills to go for um, in the last uh, last three rounds, four rounds. Um, I will say this. They do seem to be looking for that tight end, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. We'll just get, we'll get the exciting positions out of the way first. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to the ones that we need and that are important, but that we, you know, we, we aren't always as like, woo, about we're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, you know, they, I, I said, uh, I made a mistake earlier. I said uh, Penn State, and I, that was the wrong school. I was thinking of uh, Texas A&M. They, they reportedly, you know, I always say reportedly because you never know how accurate it is or isn't, but um, they reportedly met with Trey McBride, as we know that he got picked already uh, from Colorado State. And then they had visits with Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely and Texas yeah. A&M tight end Jalen Wittermeyer. Uh, they signed O.J. Howard to a one-year deal, which when you can get a guy who was a first-round pick, at, I think it was like, well, wasn't he like picked like 15 or 16 or something by uh, by the Buccaneers, you know, and he got buried yeah. uh, once they brought in Gronk, you know, uh, behind Gronk, right? As far as playing time and reps and things like that, it affects people's development. So, you know, O.J. Howard could end up, 
be turning into or becoming that tight end too. But what we know about the Bills is that they like to bring in guys who can block. They they like to bring in guys who can block. They like to bring in guys who can contribute in other positions and other special teams. Um, you know, so it's not out of the question that they grab a guy in a later round, you know, that might be a development project or that they take a guy sometime in the next, you know, couple picks who could be that tight end too long-term again across from Knox. Uh, when you look at the success that New England had uh, for a number of years running two tight end sets, uh, I think it's even that much more compelling to the Bills offense because we have Josh Allen, who, um, you know, is a much bigger, stronger quarterback than Tom Brady. So, you know, yeah. when you have a guy like that who has the uh, – take the step he has the last two seasons in the passing game that he has uh who can break tackles extend plays you know and and then make plays downfield but also and and this is the same thing that I, I wanted to mention just circling back to our conversation about the running backs yeah uh, you know prior to all this you know at the beginning of the offseason Brandon Bean right after the conclusion of the playoffs you know he spoke out about wanting to add to the trenches you know he said hey look if we can get better in the trenches on both sides of the ball that's something I'm always going to be looking to do and you know part of the context of that was that we we had issues with the offensive line with you know, that was one of the the couple areas that kind of was a, a issue throughout a good portion of the season last year and they they kind of you know made some shuffling worked it out at the end where you know, they were able to uh, to make do, but it's not something that they seem to be sitting pat on at all. They went out and made moves in free agency. They're looking to get better in that area. So, you know, the reason that I mentioned the running backs is because the same blocking that affects Josh Allen or lack thereof uh, affects the running backs. So, you know, you could get, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but you could give, uh, say, like Zach Moss, even the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, hey, maybe he didn't get the open lanes he'd normally have because they didn't have good blocking, right? Or who knows what, like a Singletary played great. Imagine how much, you know, better that could have been if there had been more lanes and better blocking, right? So, like, you, you just, you know, taking kind of a, a look at it on both hands, that is one thing that's worth mentioning. I don't know if, you know, we can't really say. We'd have to see it with better blocking to, you know, be able to, to say definitively one way or the other, but it's at least worth pointing out. Uh, same thing here. So you're talking about, you know, the offense and the passing game. They promoted Ken Dorsey, but they also interviewed two other uh, wide receiver coaches, wide, you know, wide receiver coordinators for the passing game for the offensive coordinator position. Um, so it does seem like they're they're keeping in stride with that progression for Allen uh, with the offense of, of taking that passing game to even the next level. Um, and. I am interested. I just want to mention this. I'm interested to see if they take the receiver uh, at some point here because Gabe Davis was, was like a, I think, a round pick. Yeah. You know, you know, this is a deep wide receiver class. Yeah. If if they see somebody they like that fit, uh, it's not out of the question they could add a receiver. 
Uh, I like the idea of adding someone on offense if it fits and if it makes sense. Uh, I love the idea of a tight end because it's a big target for Josh Allen. If you can get a guy who has the skill set and if it's the offense, that's too long term. You know, why not? Right? Go, why not go for it? So um, things like that that you know are in the back of my mind. But similarly, there's other things that are in the back of my mind, like that Julio Jones is just sitting out there in free agency, for example, um, and he's a guy that has struggled with injury. The Bills have a reputation because of their training facilities. Players stay healthy, you know. Um, and if Julio Jones is is signing like a, a you know a prove it deal with the team or something, he could go and reunite with with Matt Ryan and do that on the Colts, or perhaps go out and join you know Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, or maybe he could take that prove it deal with Buffalo and come in and say, hey, I know. Keep your players healthy, uh, and you have your know, good training facilities for that. You know, is there something that works for both of us? So there's there's things like that kind of in the backdrop too. You know, that I'm I'm also kind of on the back of my mind there. So those are all the exciting positions, um, <laughs> right? We might get a receiver, we might get a punter, we might get a uh, a tight end, and then there's you know these other these other position groups where they've met with guys. Yeah, like safety, you know, even though Jordan Poyer is entering his contract year, uh, he switched agents to Drew Rosenhaus. He's seeking an extension. It makes sense, you know, with with it's just more of a question of how long, right? Like how many years he wants to finish his career as a bill. And I'd love that. And I'm sure a lot of people would love that. But, you know, every player, once they reach a certain age, is going to have a decline. Every player, once they reach a certain point, is going to have a decline. So whether it's this season, next off, or I'm sorry, this off season, next off season, what have you, you know, there are going to be positions where they got to start thinking about the future at that position. And for yeah. better or worse, Hyde and Poyer have been great. I mean, like that, that their impact on our defense is, is you can't overstate it. But at the same time, uh, regardless of what player it is, at some point in their career, you got to start thinking about the future at that position. And some positions, you know, you have to do that a little sooner than others, and it can depend on on factors like performance or age or things like that over time. So, you know, if they can work out an extension that makes sense where you can get Poyer during his remaining, you know, uh, peak or prime years of performance, then yeah, do it. You know, like, and it makes sense with the salary cap, sure. But, you know, they did meet with a couple guys at that position and, uh, and you know, did pre-draft uh, – Pre-draft visits with Georgia safety Lewis uh, Sign and Maryland safety Nick Cross. All that just to say that that might be a position that they might be looking at if they see a player that they can throw in as a development project. Uh, here's the thing, though, and and Matt, this is like when I'm thinking about the, like, these picks, what I like about the first two picks are these are guys that can plug in and play. Yeah. Mm. Right? Like, I understand the third-round pick. Um, but I'm still thinking about what happened last draft. I'm still thinking about those guys that we took in the later rounds who are on other rosters right now because we didn't have room on the depth chart or for room for them in the rotations, even better yet for them to get, get in there where they were, they factored into our long-term plans. So we have all these late round picks now that I I would imagine Bean's going to look to move up with 
and instead take guys that that can factor in somewhere. Like even even uh, even adding you know that linebacker in the third round. Like I said, you know he's, he'll have a chance to play on special teams, even if he's not an immediate rotation guy. Uh, which we might even see. Who, for all I know, we might even see him play in there a bit too. So, or like you said, you know, um, hopefully Milano stays healthy. But in the event that he's out for a few games or or whatever, you know, having a guy that we can develop over the course of the season and then have step in and play a bit uh, in the event that something like that were to happen. Um, so I think with safety, whether it's right now or it's later, that's definitely a position that they seem to be at least starting to think about, you know, long-term um, is, Hey, are, are we, or is there some young talent we can add and develop at that position? Um, you know, as we start to kind of think about life after Jordan, Jordan Boyer, you know, life after, after Micah Hyde, whenever that may be, uh, which hopefully is not soon, but you know, it will, will come someday. Right. Um, yeah. Defensive line. You know, the defensive line, uh, they reportedly worked out uh, several Oklahoma defenders, um, Perry and Winfrey, Nick Bonito, and Brian Asamoah. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of mock drafts projected like Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis mm. from Georgia, um, which which I, I do think it's funny. Not Man, I... These these mock drafts have become a little bit of an echo chamber because man, I'll tell you, after those uh, after those Booth reports came out, everybody was like mock drafting Booth to Buffalo. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, God bless Mel Kiper, man. I, he I I think if I'm remembering correctly, he he mock drafted Elam on Thursday or something to Buffalo. So uh, so at least somebody got it, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that, those those mock drafts have kind of been funny. You heard me joke earlier about last year when they thought we were all going to take uh, ATN from, uh, you know, I think Clemson and, and uh, running back in the first round or something. So it, it, I do have a sense of humor about it. But yeah, so that that could be one group. You know, on the other side of the trenches, you have offensive line. Um, they had a couple guys. They they had these guys that were projected as second round picks, Dylan Parham from Memphis and then Sean Ryan from UCLA both visited with Buffalo, uh, Ohio state, uh, who he got drafted yesterday, but, uh, Nicholas Petit Freire also visited yeah. the team. Um, and then there were guys like, uh, Jamari Salyer, I think his name is. Yeah. And then Kenyon green, Zion Johnson were all guys that, you know, the mock draft guys were trying to project to Buffalo. So, um, but they did do some pre-draft visits with some guys. Uh, if there was a, they're going to take the best player on the board. Now it's just worth mentioning both sides of the trenches that if there's a guy there, right, we've seen him do it. Yeah. Uh, we've seen him go and take guys, even in those mid to late rounds that then come in and start. So, you know, it's not out of the question. Uh, we mentioned receiver. We could start just to circle back to an exciting position for a moment. Uh, which, which I say it's tongue in cheek, right? It's I say yeah. it as, I say it as a joke because what we really need are those guys at the line and, and you know the guys that can stop the other team on defense and the guys that can put <laughs> Allen on offense and make some lanes for our running backs. So I'm totally joking when I say that, but you know it's it's also you know it's funny because it's true because the fans yeah. know 
excited about like the sexy positions, you know, like the excited positions. So um, they did meet with a guy um, as far as like pre-draft stuff was Alabama wide receiver, John Mechie. Yeah. Uh, so in with it being a deep receiver class, I don't think it's out of the question that they take somebody, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they didn't only because, yeah, it would be great if we could add another receiver. But like I said, you've got Julio Jones sitting out there. Who knows what type of deal Julio Jones is looking for? You might get him on a, a show me deal, you know? So like it's a, it's not out of the question, right? Uh, it's possible. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, projecting julio jones to buffalo i don't want anybody to hear me and think that that's what i'm saying although if i was julio jones i would want to play with buffalo i do want to say yeah. that yeah. Uh, right now you know at his point in his career so um yeah. yeah so those those are those are some of them those are some of the ones that just based on like who they were meeting with kind of before the draft they are they are picking guys that they did pre-draft yeah. visits with and like did their homework on things like that so um you know we'll see we'll see how it goes but that yeah, that's good right. yeah some of the remaining ones that we could see um you know them take take somebody out yeah no i mean it, that's that's the good thing this is where the I say the scouts make their uh make their money in these um these late rounds on there um i mean that was very great chat i'm actually um yeah. we cover quite quite a lot I actually got a really good understanding into what why these picks were this and obviously going forward i mean david where can where can our followers find you actually um on on the socials and obviously the work that you actually um that you do you know i have uh at stereo rush one word stereo rush on uh twitter and instagram i love instagram i post a lot of stuff on Twitter, I post a lot of my Bill's Wire stuff, but I, I do share it on both platforms. Uh, I love LinkedIn, so you can always track me down on there if you want to. But don't forget to follow the Bill's Wire uh, yeah. on Twitter and on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have some pieces coming out here from the draft. And uh, we have a lot of great writers on our staff and an editor who, who have some really great things coming out on the players that we're picking right now. I'd encourage you guys to check those out. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great perspectives and insights in there that you don't want to miss out on. And uh, go Bills. Yes. So all that's left to say is thank you, David, for, for coming yes, on the show. Thank you, David. For, thank you both. for Robin and me. It's, uh, it's thank you for listening. Keep following us on the socials. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for listening, and let's go, Buffalo Bills. Go, Bills. Yeah, not us. You don't know anything about work. You don't know anything about work. Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.